You're listening to Meet the RIA, and in this special podcast edition of the show, you'll get expert insight from some of the top registered investment advisors in the country. Here's your host, Jenna Dagenhart, along with special guest, Chris Hay, founder of Wealthcare Planning, LLC, and Wealthcare Solutions. Hello and welcome to Meet the RAA. Joining us now is Chris High, founder of Wealthcare Planning and Wealthcare Solutions. Chris, it's great to have you back with us. We've been talking a lot about the pandemic over the past two years. To what extent has COVID affected how people should be thinking about relationships between health and wealth? Well, you know, Jenna, when financial advice professionals talk about risks, they're usually talking about the risks associated with a portfolio of investments. But I'd argue that investment portfolio volatility is only one class of financial risk confronting adults, you know, especially older adults, and it's arguably not even the most consequential. I mean, what I think COVID has done is really shown us the depth and severity of the financial risks that are related to health events. I mean, just think of all the people who have been affected by COVID. Something like 70 million people have been infected and 4 million have been hospitalized, you know. Um, millions of people have lost their jobs or seen their hours reduced and millions have lost time due to uh, illness and hospitalization. And in the worst case scenario, they've lost a family member who is the primary income earner. So that's kind of, I mean, you think of that on the, that's looking at sort of on the income side and then on the cost side, I mean, if you don't have health insurance, uh, these hospitalization stays can literally cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and that drug treatment remdesivir, you know, that costs like $3,000. So that's, you know, that's not so cheap either. So basically, you know, what I think is that, you know, recently there has been sort of a, a growing recognition that we need to pay more attention to health related financial risks. Um, but I think COVID has really accelerated and amplified that level of awareness. Certainly. And that 70 million uh, figure that you mentioned, that's just in the U.S., right? Oh, yeah, that's just in the U.S. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, what is that? One in five people in the U.S. has had COVID. Um, and I, you know, I saw this really troubling statistics. One in a one in 100 adults over 65 have died of COVID. So it, it's a big and that that's um, yeah, so. It's uh, it's really awful, and especially the, you know to the extent that COVID has affected older adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of that older population, the population in the U.S. and most other developed countries is aging. How does that impact how we look at health and wealth? Yeah, I think for me, demographic changes are the number one reason, really the number one reason why we're seeing this inc- increasingly close relationship between health and wealth. I mean, it's just simply people are just living much longer. Um, I mean, the U.S., um, between now and 2035, the number of people over 65 in the U.S. is expected to grow about six times faster than those under 55. And by 2035, we're supposed to have more people over the age of 65 than under 18 for the first time in our history. That's never happened before. So we're old. Our population is relatively old. Um, And if you kind of look back in the past, you know, Healthcare costs and long-term care costs weren't that really much of a financial risk. You know, 50 years ago, if you got diagnosed with lung cancer or, you know, serious heart disease, that was basically a death sentence. And you just couldn't spend a lot of money on on health because there just weren't that many treatments, as many treatments available, and you were going to kind of die anyway. 
But now, you know, the baby boomer in, in the baby boomer's lifetime, you know, medical advances have you know, made significant progress in curing a lot of diseases. So what that means is people are now living simply they're just living longer. Um, and so that's to me, that's really changed this whole risk equation because um, we've gone from people not living much past the age of 65 to people now living to 75, 85, 90 or more. Um, and just older people just, you know, it's kind of sounds kind of silly when you say it, they're just not as healthy as younger people. Um, you know, 80% of people over 55 suffer from a chronic illness. Um, and there's all kinds of statistics, statistics now. I, mean, I just noticed the um, Employee Benefit Research uh, Institute just came out with some numbers saying that to be 90% sure you can cover your healthcare costs, that's gonna cost you about $300,000 for a couple. And that's just healthcare costs. So that's not long-term care costs. I mean, when we look at long-term care, I mean, uh, statistics show that most people are going to need about three years of long-term care. Um, and, you know, most people want to, you know, live and die in their home. And, but when you look at, but a lot of them will need 24 seven care later in life. And that costs about $25 an hour but right there. They're talking $18,000 a month. I know people who are, who are spending over $30,000 a month on long-term care. Um, so, you know, and the other thing I like to, you know, cite is there are lots of surveys now that are, that ask people, you know, what is your biggest financial fear? And it's, and, you know, usually sort of older adults, like over 50. And for me, it's always very striking. It's, it, the answer is never, uh, you know, in, uh, investment portfolio volatility. It's never inflation. It's always, you know, high healthcare costs you know, a health event happening to one, a family member, outliving my savings. This is what, you know, people are really worried about just, you know, again, because they're living longer and they're, they're staring at potentially really high healthcare costs. So I think that's really changed the equation, um, you know, this health wealth equation. And it's really affecting the way I think, you know, financial advice professionals should be uh, looking at the financial risk um, uh, of their clients. Certainly, and many people buy life insurance to protect against early death, but what about the opposite risk, which is a good one, as you say, living much longer, um, that brings its own set of risks. So what should advisors be doing to help their clients more effectively identify and mitigate health-related financial risks? Yeah, it's funny when you, when you talk about, you know, uh, these sort of longevity-related risks, and if you ask somebody, um, do you, you know, do you want an annuity? No, no, I don't like annuities. I hate them. You know, um, do you want uh, guaranteed income later in life? Oh, I'd love that. So I, I think that there's a, um, you know, there's, there is that kind of disconnect. But I think there, on, on, that, on the flip side, I mean, there are a lot of things that uh, advisors can do um, to help their clients. I think that, you know, just, you know, to start with, they just need to start communicating better with the clients. And I understand it can be difficult for advisors to talk about health-related issues with their clients, but um, you know, I, I, I think they need to start. And I think it's also, I like to say, it's probably easier than you think to have these conversations. You know, you don't need to be a doctor, you don't need to be a psychiatrist to have these conversations. I think you just need to be a person capable of showing a little understanding and empathy. Um, and when I talk to advisors who are having these conversations, I mean, what I'm hearing back is that, um, you know, their, their, their clients are really happy about it. 
So um, even if the clients are somewhat reluctant to bring up these issues, the client response is almost always, oh, gee, I'm so glad we're talking about this. You know, I've wanted to talk to you about this. I'm so relieved. I've been worried about my husband, worried about my spouse, whatever. Um, so I think that there's some really, really major benefits just to having these conversations uh, about health, just in terms of, you know, building those uh, good client relationships. Um, and the other thing I'll just say sort of on a, you know, on a more mundane level, there's just some really basic things that I think advisors can be doing to protect their clients. I mean, just, you know, again, I've cited those health um, statistics on healthcare costs and long-term care costs. Just, you know, put those right in the financial plan, you know, put life expectancy into your plan. Um, you know, try to put an estimate of healthcare costs, try to do an estimate of long-term care costs, get those in your financial plan. And again, your, your, your clients are gonna appreciate that. And then just um, one last thing is just, you know, either, you know, directly or working with uh, an estate attorney, just make sure they've got all the estate documents together. You know, make sure you just have a power of attorney is, I, I talked to this uh, lawyer and he was really, you know, a very uh, experienced lawyer and he asked, you know, what he thought, I asked him what he thought was the most important estate document. He said power of attorney, you know, even more than a will and even more than a trust. But anyway, get that together, get the trust, get the healthcare proxy, um, get the living wills, make sure your client has all that because that's really, you know, very important way to protect them from these health related financial risks. And finally, Chris, before I let you go, what are your thoughts on financial wellness? Such an important topic. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, financial wellness is a really important topic, but I, I also think that it's um, often defined a little too narrowly. I think that uh, when most people talk about uh, financial wellness, they're talking about what I call organizational wellness. You know, do you have a budget? Do you have a savings plan? Do you have an investment plan? But again, those those um, those plans frequently don't include protection from or preparation for these health-related related risks. So I see them... Um, I see financial wellness as kind of a hierarchy, uh, similar to Maslow's hierarchy. And I've actually written about this in the Journal of Financial Planning, if people want to go take a look. Um, but I see it as a hierarchy that includes protection from these physical and behavioral and cognitive risks to uh, financial wellness. Um, and then the last thing I'd like to say about some of these uh, financial wellness programs, um, I'm reminded a little bit of a, a Woody Allen joke where uh, this couple goes out to a restaurant in the Catskills and one of them says, oh, the food here is really bad. And the other one says, yeah, and the portions are really small. You know, the joke being, if the food's really bad, why would you want bigger portions? But I do kind of feel that way about financial wellness programs. I feel like most of them aren't that great, uh, particularly they tend to be more focused on millennials and older adults. Um, but there's also not enough of them. Well, it's a great point and love the joke that you weaved in there. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you for watching. Once again, I was joined by Chris High, founder of Wealthcare Planning and Wealthcare Solutions. I'm Jenna Dagenhart with Asset TV. Thanks for tuning in to Meet the RIA. Be sure to visit AssetTV.com, your source for financial news and information. And to check out our other additional episodes of Meet the RIA, 